Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello and welcome to Voices of a Vic podcast with me, Ben Aiton and Mike Duffy. Um, we're back to talk about Watford's 1-0 defeat at the um, Scott, um, the Bet365 Stadium at Stoke City. Um, yes, Jess, you are right. What, um, me and Mike are actually on time tonight. Um, <laughs> yeah, stranger things have happened, but yeah, we're actually on time tonight. So um, we was actually chatting for about 10, 15 minutes before we came on air. So we could have got on a little bit earlier or even surprised you even more by uh, coming on early. But yeah, we're here, we're live and we're going to speak to you about that um, 1-0 narrow defeat away to Stoke City. Um, but first, as I mentioned, I've got Mike with me. Mike, how are you doing, mate? You had a good week? Yeah, very good. Thank you. Uh, disappointed, obviously, to lose. It's never nice losing. Um, you'd think we'd be used to it now for the, from the last couple of seasons. But, you know, you, you sort of go into a new season with all this hope and promise and that first loss is a, is always a bit of a sucker punch to uh, to take. And especially in the manner that we did, um, I'm disappointed, obviously, but there's plenty of positives to take out of it, which is more to say than the last couple of seasons. Usually, you know, when we've had to come on and speak about a defeat, you sort of, scratching your head, looking around at what positives you can take. But there's definitely positives that can be taken from from Saturday. And, uh, you know, we, we're still sticking to how we, we, we want to play, which is which is good. But, yeah, other than that, I'm, uh, I'm all good, mate. How are you? Good stuff, yeah. No, all good, thank you. Um, had a busy afternoon with my um, father. He came around and helped me um, do some points into the patio in the back garden, which we've been putting off for a while, so... 
yeah, been out in the sun, but trying to do that with a um, nearly three-year-old's very um, testing, to say the least. Um, she wants to get involved, and then she's bringing cement indoors on the bottom of her shoes, and she's mm. driving my missus up the wall, and she's following mm. around with some wet wipes trying to clean the floor. So, yeah, a very eventful <laughs> afternoon. Uh, but, yeah, um, yeah, I'm all good. Thank you, mate. Uh, but, yeah, looking forward to talking about this game. Unfortunately, it was a one of defeat. Obviously, Watford went there last year under Slavin Bilic. It was his first game in charge. A 4-0 victory for Slavin Bilic's side. And this time, it was um, Valerie Ishmael took his Hornets side to the Bet365 Stadium. But it just didn't have the same kind of feel as performance of maybe what it did under Bilic last year. Um, obviously, they, they turned up with a point to prove and wanted to um, try and play their way into this team, um, the starting lineup to keep themselves in there and to nail down that spot. But yesterday, it was... Um, it was it was one change to a team, Mike, wasn't it? Um, it was uh, Jake Livermore came in for Francisco Serialta, who um he, he went off with a um a, a muscle injury. It was um touch and go whether he was actually going to make this game yesterday, but he he failed the fitness test, wasn't available, and Jake Livermore came in for his first start um for Watford in the league. Um, what did you make of the starting lineup, Mike? I won't run through the starting lineup because we're all familiar with how Watford have started the start of the season. But what did you make of the starting lineup, and what did you think of um, the bench? Because um, what I will mention is James Collins was on the bench, um, a young striker. Um, he's done very well for the under twenty ones. Omar Risa knows him very well, and obviously he's part of that setup with Valerie Ishmael now. So he's probably recommended him to come up because obviously we sent Shaq Ford out on loan. But yeah, what did you? Make from a starting lineup. Yeah, I, I think well, I'm liking the fact that he's not really changing it unless he has to at the moment. You know, you, you see teams start well like we did against QPR, make a whole load of changes for the League Cup game, and then you're sort of scrambling together again, trying to get that team to gel. And so I, I really like the fact that he's he's keeping the same team and that team's able to play more together. Granted, a lot of them played together last season but they can execute the way that the manager wants to play. So I do like that. I think Livermore was the obvious one. You know, we, we'd all heard that Sierra may have picked the knock-up. Um, and I think Livermore coming in was sort of a no-brainer. Uh, for what it's worth, I think he did OK. He didn't set the world alight, but he's not going to. He's not that type of, uh, type of player. Um, a couple of sloppy moments, but I think bar Wesley who you can sort of say that for everyone yesterday, um, on Saturday, sorry. Uh, but, yeah, you know, team news, absolutely no problem. Um, I'm sure we'll talk about it sort of later on in the pod. But I just wish he'd give one of these strikers, whether it was Collins or Healy, just give him a chance. Because at the moment, you know, Bio's being asked to do something which he's not capable of doing. Um, you know, don't get me wrong. I think some of the stick he's got so far um, is unwarranted. But yesterday, yesterday... Okay. Yeah, it was yesterday. I keep thinking today is Monday. Mate, my head's on my arse. Um, yesterday proved that he's not a target man. I mean, you know, he didn't take yesterday to for people to realise that, but he's not able to play the game that Ishmael wants. He, he might graft his socks off, but he's not well-rounded for that position. Um, so, yeah, in terms of team news, no problem with it whatsoever. Yeah, we'll dive straight into it. Um, obviously, there wasn't really much to talk about in that first half. Um, I think Scrappy's probably the perfect definition of that first half. Um, 
but it was a scrappy affair. But why do you think we maybe struggled to implement our style of play in that first half? Was it maybe just a case of maybe not sticking to the game plan that Valerie Schmel set in the last few previous games where he's actually asked for the teams to get the ball down and play with it on the, on the floor? Because it was a bit different in that first half, wasn't it? It was, yeah. And I think Ryan Porteous alluded to it in his post-match interview. You know, he said perhaps the conditions got the better of them. Not that it's any excuse because they're paid a lot of money to play football. So a bit of wind here and there shouldn't really make a difference. But he said it was, you know, it was telling and the, the lads probably thought about it as too much, you know, more than they should have done anyway. Um, you know, we know what Stoke is like and it's uh, it's a very windy grounding, although they have filled in one of the uh, corners of the, the ground. So it's not as windy as it used to be. But... Um, we just couldn't get a foothold on the, the ball yesterday. And I, I don't think Stoke were great value as well. And I'm sure, you know, their, their fans will probably be saying the same as well. And I know Alex Neal, I watched his post-match interview and he said that, you know, both teams sort of struggled. He he, he sort of had Stoke edging it in the first half, which I agree. Um, but we almost looked like we, we, you know, reverted back to last season. It was very scrappy, very sloppy, giving balls away. Um, and just not being able to string sort of two, three passes together, which is the complete opposite of what we've seen so far. You know, very high tempo pressing, good passing movements. Um, so who knows, you know, maybe with it being the first away league game, obviously we've played away already against Stevenage. Uh, you were there, you know, you, you said it looked like we struggled to implement the same game plan as we did against QPR. So maybe on the road... Um, you know, that, that sort of style of football might be a bit different. So, um, look, but at, at the same time, we've got our horrendous away record at the moment hanging over, over us. I think I saw a tweet from Sam Uko saying that we've only won one of the last 11 away games, uh, which is shocking. And um, you look back to our the lockdown season where we got promoted before that crazy run we went on, you know, um, the away record was horrendous as well. So, yeah, um, yeah, not not good. And hopefully it's not a sign of things to come away from home because it's, uh, yeah, they, they might be too used to, to playing at home. Who knows? But it's um, it was very sloppy and very scrappy in that first half. And I thought James Morris, uh, I, I'll say it now, and I'm sure other people will agree, I thought yesterday was his worst game in a Watford shirt. Um, he just didn't look at the races whatsoever, looked very out of depth um, and obviously went off with that injury as well. Um, so, yeah, I, uh, I I was disappointed with him. But hopefully that's not a sign of things to come and hopefully he's not out for too long. Yeah, and um, talking of James Morris, it, it wasn't a great afternoon for him as well. He obviously had to withdraw through injury as well in that first half. Um, it, um, Valerie Schmel alluded to that he's hoping it's just cramp and not an actual muscle injury. Um, it's obviously sad to see him go off injured, Mike, isn't it? Especially with um, Jamal Lewis 
still weeks away because he picked up an injury in training. Um, and then we had to put Ken Semmer back over on that left hand side. But I will say, I, I did think Ken did a, a, an okay job. He, he does definitely looks so much more comfortable over on that left hand side than what he has done on the right hand side in the last couple of weeks. But it, it's a big blow to James Morris, isn't it? Especially when he's found a bit of consistency in the first team and then he's had to be withdrawn just before half time. I think it's worrying as well, Ben, because obviously that article come out, I can't remember now whether it was Adam Leventhal or Andrew French that brought it out, but saying that Ishmael basically only wants two players per per position. And don't get me wrong, you know, having a, a small squad is good for the team unity and everything else, but this is where it comes to bite you on the arse when injuries happen. You know, we've got James Morris who, you know, he did very well last season breaking into the first team and sort of cementing that place to be his own at the moment and whether that's because he's the only real option we've got there but hey look you know he's he's doing what he can to cement that place but it's when things like this happen you know we brought in Jamal Lewis um really excited to see him play hopefully he's not too rusty from his uh his spell at Newcastle and not really playing recently but it, it does worry me that you know with Morris out injured now and Lewis not available Who's going to fill in there at, 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 on on Sunday? You know the well, obvious he, answer is Ken Semmer, but you know that if if Morris is out for a couple of weeks, you know you you really having to jig around the team. So it does worry me, and Semmer doesn't fill me with much you know enthusiasm at times. I thought he looked really poor yesterday out on the wing, uh, out on that right hand side where he was to start with. He um, he just wasn't at the races at all. Picked up a little bit when he went to left back, you know, saw him filling there in that lockdown promotion season as well. But at the end of the day, he's he's not a left back and he does look uncomfortable there at times as well. So it does worry me. Um, of course it does. And, um, you know, hopefully Morris isn't out for too long. I've not seen anything online to, to suggest whether it was a bad one or not. Um, but... We yeah, do agree I, with the people, people on social media saying that we need another left back because I, I think that's maybe a bit too much, if I'm honest, because let's talk that Jamal Lewis is only a couple of weeks away. Um, James yeah. Morris's injury might not be too severe. It might just be cramp. Um, and then we've, we've got Ken Semmer, who is versatile and who can do a job over on the left-hand side to fill that gap until maybe Jamal Lewis is back. Uh, what do you reckon? Would you bring an, in another left back? The thing is, if you bring in another left back, they're, they're, they're going to be in there as, as a, a first choice. And don't get me wrong, every player should be coming in and fighting for that position. But we've just brought in Jamal Lewis. Can I see us going and trying to get Callum Stiles, for example? No. Because in Ishmael's eyes, he's got that left back that he wants to play week in, week out. So he's then not going to go and be like, right, OK, needed a, get, get another first team left back in. Because... You know, it just creates too many headaches, too many problems. Um, I would perhaps see how long Morris is out and perhaps bring somebody else in. But I think you're right as well. To play devil's advocate, you have got Ken Stemmer there. Now, I know he splits opinion. I think that's fair to say. But he can do a job at left-back. And I think Ishmael will sort of have that in the back of his mind. Yeah, no, I totally agree with you, mate. Uh, I think it would be a bit silly if we went and tried to bring in another left-back, especially with the versatility of Ken Semmer. Um, but it, it did um, um, end half-time nil-nil. Um, second half, looks like there was a bit of a, maybe a 
words said between the managers and the players. The managers obviously wasn't happy, was he? He alluded to that in his press conference afterwards, saying that the players didn't get the basics right and didn't stick to our identity and that. And they um, maybe didn't give the respect to the championship that it deserves. Um, so the second half, it looked like they came out with a change of attitude. Um, they took the game to Stoke a little bit more, didn't we? Um, what what did you make of the, the reaction at half time? We we obviously looked a bit more to get the ball quicker forward, uh, much quicker. I think it was perfect. That that's what you want to see. You come out the blocks racing like that in the, in the second half, and it looked like if we were going to score, we were going to do it straight away. And what a time that would have been to get a goal! You know that really would have deflated Stoke, and you know it, it would have been perfect to to go ahead in in that moment. And I think the frustrating thing is we've shown that it's there. So why aren't we doing it from the get go? It's not just this season, it's not just last season or the season before. We've been saying this for a long, long time. I seem to remember sitting on this podcast in the very early days under Nigel Pearson, I think was still manager when we started the podcast, uh, however many managers ago that was. And, you know, we were saying, why can't we be consistent? You know, when it, it always seems to be when a, when a manager has to deliver a rocket up their arse, that's when they shift into here. Why can't we just play like that from the get-go? So it's obviously been a culture problem at Watford and, you know, a, a problem over the last few years. And uh, that, that obviously carried into to, to yesterday, which isn't great to see. But it, it was promising. And I think this is where we need to, to, to focus. I mean, social media was a mess yesterday. I've seen so much shit on there. And I don't know why I'm surprised because it's Watford Twitter at the end of the day. And, you know, we, we get depressed about anything, you know. So, but to to see some of the stuff that I was reading, I'm like, we three games, we yeah, we three games into the season for God's sake, like, you know, if if this was game number twenty five and bottom of the league just walloped us five nil on our home patch, absolutely, you know, grumble away. And listen, I'm not saying you can't grumble. You you pay to go and travel. It's a long way to Stoke from Watford or wherever you're travelling from. And you pay good money, and especially with how things are at the moment, with the cost of living crisis, etc., etc., a day out at football isn't cheap. And you're more than welcome, if you've paid that money and you don't think you've seen a performance good enough, you are more than welcome to vent your frustration. But I think some of it is over the top. Um, and, you know... Yeah, a bit booing of- at all time was a bit unnecessary. Um, we we yeah, all asked for a... Um, a, a rebuild, a reset. We we wanted a manager to come in to implement a style. You need to get behind the team and give them that t- time. Um, you, you, three games in, you, you can't boo them off after a one 0 defeat away at Stoke. We we upped the tempo in the second half. We created chances. It was like George White just said. Now um, was well over the top yesterday. It's just what our fans are, have been like lately. And, and it might be down to how the football club's been run in the last couple of years. That hasn't helped. And it's added to the frustration of the fans. But at the moment, you're probably with me on this, Mike. The fans need to be patient. If it's going to work on Valerie Ishmael this year, it needs to be needs, needs to be respected by the fans, as in giving him time. We're the first ones to jump on going, ah, oh, he's useless, sack the manager. Just give him time. I, I guarantee if we give him time, 
we'll see for rewards. And I'm not saying we're going to get promoted, but we're going to see a side that we're we're proud to watch, enjoy watching, and be see a team that actually gives a shit. Um, mm-hmm. if, if not, if we jump on the players' backs and, and start booing Valerie Ishmael when he starts walking down the tunnel, that's not going to help, is it? No, and I, I think that that's something to, to be you know, clear about. We, we want, we, so many of us were desperate for this rebuild for two, three seasons now. Yes, it's overdue, but it's happened. We've got rid of a lot of Deadwood. We still need to bring in some players. We'll talk about that in a bit, I'm sure. Yes, you could argue, why hasn't this been done already? Totally get that. But it is a rebuild. Rome wasn't built in a day, you know? The, these things take time. And I think the first thing, Ben, you mentioned promotion there, and I know you're not getting carried away or anything, but the first yeah. thing that we want to see from this rebuild is we want to see a Watford team that is in unity with the fans, look like they care, Look like they want to be here. That's the first step because the last couple of seasons we've not seen that. There's been a real disconnect between the club and the fans. So, you know, that that needs to be objective number one. And over time, in this rebuild, if you give the manager a a chance, that will happen. This is the first time since the Pozzos took over. And if you're watching and you disagree, please put it in the comments. But I firmly believe this is the first time since... Uh, the Pozzos took over in 2012 that they are recruiting to the manager's style. Before it's been, right, we'll get him in and we'll bring all these players in. Oh, by the way, we've just brought all these players in. You need to sort of make it happen. You need to work with what you've got. Whereas this time, it sounds like we've sat down with Ishmael, we've said, right, how do you want to play this then, mate? You know, the ball's in your court. Who do you want? What's What type of player do you want? Okay, uh, we'll go and send Manga and Co to look for that sort of player. And, you know, people are moaning, oh, well, if Ishmael wants a, a, a particular player, we're being tight and not going after him. Again, you know, more than, you know, you, you're more than entitled to your opinion. But if we've got Manga and Costa and all of those scouts who did a magnificent job at Eintracht Frankfurt last season, and then, um, well, for, for however long they've been there, if, Ishmael is saying, right, I want a player of this profile. They're the best people to go and look for that player of that profile. Yes, he might have worked with X, Y and Z before at a different club, but if they don't think that he fits a bill, then they won't get him. So, you know, we have to give the manager time. And like I say, this is the first time that I've seen the Pozzos recruit to the manager's style. Whereas before, as I say, they're just saying, right, you're going to come in, you can play how you want, but you've got to fit these players into that system. Look, we the the fans forum, I can't remember, yeah, the Parlacci Gino um, meeting, I think Duxbury said um, it, it was like Saar when Javi Gracia come in. They brought in Saar, he was a record signing at the time, but Javi Gracia, Javi Gracia sorry, didn't play with wingers. He didn't play a style which Saar was comfortable in. Um, so he was sort of, you know, square pegging a round hole. Whereas now it's, you know, we we we're buying players that that are, are suited for the formation and style that Ishmael wants. So give it time, you know. Don't be the manager for Fox Eight with three games in. <laughs> um, but I think Ben, to be honest, some of our fans, you 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 can't please some people. I think 
Andrew French once said, you could shit 20 pound notes and they'd moan that they were crumpled. So, you know, you really cannot please some people. But I I think there's plenty of positives to take from yesterday. Of course, I'm pissed off. I hate losing. It ruins my weekend. And, you know, for what it's worth, I think Stoke have had one of the best transfer windows this season. I think Stoke will be up there as well come the end of the season. But listen, it's all part of the learning curve. If anyone thinks we're going to go through this season with, you know, without hardly losing, fucking hell, strap yourself in, man. Because this is a championship. Run over. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I agree with you there, mate. It's going to be a tough old slog, isn't it? Look, I, I think many Watford fans are quite realistic and they, they know that it's going to be a tough old slog, isn't it? And look, I think we'll majority be happy if we get a top half finish. Um, we know it's the, the change that we've had. And even Scott Duxbury said in an interview recently that this is the best team they've put together during this uh, time at Watford. And that, that's down to the individuals all wanting to play for each other. Because recently, in the last couple of years, Mike, we've, we've had lots of individual players. We've had star players, but not necessarily playing as a team. And that's what Watford fans have missed lately, that togetherness and playing together for that shirt and playing as a team. Um, so I, I've seen in the three games that we've played this season that there is togetherness. We are playing for the badge. But we're showing heart and desire, and and this is what I want from my Watford team. Yeah, we lost yesterday; it's disappointing, but I still saw a side that actually gave a damn yesterday. Like that second half, there was much, there was lots of improvement. It's just unfortunate that we was undone by a fantastic strike from Vidigal. Um, fantastic goal. Um, I think we gave him a bit too much space. It was Livermore trying to get back to closing down. Um, obviously, Ryan Andrews was out of position. Um, but fantastic strike. You can't take it away from him. But then, again, what impressed me yesterday, Mike, was the goal went in, but the heads didn't drop um, after conceding. If anything, we responded really well and created good chances. Yeah, we just need that final piece of the jigsaw. It's killing me. I, for what it's worth as well, yesterday, I don't think Loser was at the races at all. Now, whether that's because Stoke have done their homework and they're sticking, you know, two people on him, that may well be the case. But I didn't think he was at his best yesterday. And Loser's going to be an important piece of the jigsaw this season, without a shadow of a doubt. You know, over the last couple of seasons, we were talking, me and Ben, before we come on, about, um, you know, when we speak to other fan podcasts and ask who they look out for as Watford's danger man. In the last few seasons, you know, it's easy to sort of jump on and say Troy Deeney, Ismail Assar, Jal Pedro. But this season, you sort of look at that Watford squad from the outside looking in and you're almost like, hmm, OK, who is that player? This is a perfect platform for Imran Loser to step up and be the man. You know, I think he's uh, he's, took Imran, uh, he's took Jal Pedro's number, hasn't he, this season as well? Um, yes. Yeah. He's number 10. So, you know, he's uh <laughs> Luton fans just joined. Uh he's uh he's obviously not bothered that his team's in the Premier League and wants to join him with the championship chat, but hey ho. Well, he's, he's, um, he's had a lovely weekend not playing football because their st- their, their ground's not up to scratch yet. So yeah, yeah, well could never be forfeited down to relegation to, 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 to <laughs> like Anywho. Um <laughs> but yeah, no, it, it the goal went in and you all you automatically worry, don't you? You think, shit, here we go. Are the floodgates going to open? Brilliant goal, by the way. Uh, and mm. if if anyone in here watched the preview with the Stoke fan that we did, Ben Rowley, 
uh, I sort of highlighted Vidigal as, as Stoke's danger man, and he looked a real live wire yesterday. And for what it's worth, I think uh, uh, I think you know he the defence did did a good enough job to to keep him at bay over than that 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 goal, um, especially Wesley Hoop. We'll talk about him in a sec, but it's just so frustrating. You know, the ball gets so far, and it is so clear that we need a target man. You know. Yes, we need someone that's going to be able to stick the ball in the back of the net, but not just that. If the ball's up there, Bio's not got that capability of holding it up and waiting for others to come into play. Um, you know, he works his socks off. I've, I, like I said uh, uh, not long ago, I think you some of the stick that, he's can you? Got, No, no. I think some of the stick he's got is unwarranted, you know. Yes, he may not be great. I think the stick he's, he's getting is because of where he's came from. I, I just put it down to that. It's a Mogi Bayat signing, and that's why he's getting a stick. If if it wasn't connected to that, I don't see the reaction, and maybe a price tag as well. Possibly, but to on the other side of the coin, Imran Luza was a Mogi Bayat one, and at the moment, you know, he's he's probably the best best thing in Watford at the moment, other than uh, Wesley Hoot. You know, he's been fantastic, but I think you know. Do you have a man crash on Wesley who? Have I got one? No, I, mate, I just see the, the last couple of games, I think he's been superb. When he come in, yeah. he, I think he scored on his debut, didn't he, against Blackburn. Uh, I can't remember if that was his debut, but he scored against Blackburn and it was a bit rocky. Look, last season, funk me, it was a shambles, wasn't it? So, you know, I, I think anyone could was was sort of due for criticism that, that, that season, but I think he stepped up to the plate this season, big time. And don't well, forget as well. Did you read his well, interview with Andrew French? I've not read it. No, um, I, I've heard, I've seen snippets, but I've not read it in its entirety. And I, I think as well, considering the what the Southampton fans were saying uh, when we mm. signed him, I was like, "Fuck, here we go again." Bought another yeah. dud player, but I think he's been superb. But just going back to to uh, to Bio quickly. I think the, the stick he's getting is unwarranted. He does so much hard work. You see him tracking back and trying to do it. But sometimes a player just doesn't fit the bill. Ishmael needs a target man. He's had Daryl DK at Barnsley and West Brom. Um, he, he's worked with Andy Carroll, who's now a, who's now a, on the transfer list, may I add. So uh, I look forward to the pod His soon. Face. Yeah. I look forward to the lowdown with uh, Matt Lansley from um, Elm Park Royals talking about Andy Carroll. Um, but no, um, he's had target men wherever he's gone. So, and it's crucial to have those players that play those roles. Bio's doing the hardest he can, I personally think. Um, but he's just, he can't play that role. You know, maybe bring him on sort of, maybe he can be the one you bring on 60 minutes, bring him on, you know, if we want to look, turn it up. Certainly not to chase to get a goal, you know. He's he's on two goals already. He probably should be on probably about four or five, uh, if I'm being honest. But yeah, um, it, it just wasn't there. It's that final piece that suddenly it's not clicking. Um, I thought Espria was all right yesterday. Um, you know, probably should have scored as well. And Andrews, oh Andrews, I, I love Andrews. I think he's been brilliant since he's come in. He was a shining light from last season. But twice yesterday, he took a touch when all he needed to do was hit it first time. And he, he could have at least got it on target. But he took a touch. And I think that's a naivety 
You know, he's, he's not he's not long new into men's football. Um, you know, this standard. So you know, he's sort of got a little bit of a free pass. For what it's worth, yesterday as well, I might get you know criticised for what I'm about to say here, but I don't think it was his best game in a Watford shirt yesterday. I thought he was quite poor. Um, but listen, it's all part of the learning curve for these young lads. So I, I just think we 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 need. For me, we need probably three more signings and I'll, I'll be happy. I think we need a centre-back, we need a DM um, as well and we need a number nine. You know, I, I'm looking at the side and I think we definitely need that number nine. But I think we need a bit more creativity from the midfield. Tom Denny Bashiru doesn't really do it for me. Um, Agreed. I, I, What's your opinion on him? Because he obviously had a fantastic start by scoring on the opening day within about 30 seconds. But in the other games I've watched, other than his assists for Bio at Stevenage, he didn't really do anything against them. I, I just see him as a bit of a passenger, maybe, in his starting line. I don't think he warrants a starting spot. I'd maybe rather Kone in there. Yeah, I, I think... Well, it doesn't help that he plays next to loser. You know, it's like having a vindaloo and then, you know, washing it down with a chicken korma, isn't it? You know, it's it's one extreme <laughs> to another. And I think, you know, he, he, I, I love Deli Bashiru and he's been through hell. You know, he's had two yeah. really bad injuries. Um, he had a loan spell at Reading where he did relatively well. And I'm glad that he's in and I'm glad that he's not been injured yet as well. But he, he's not creative. Um, he's not that type of midfielder. And I think sometimes... What you need is a bit of a throwback. You know, you, you don't really get them as much nowadays, I don't think, anyway. Uh, I certainly like a, a midfielder. If you're going to have sort of a, a Rolls-Royce of a player or a flashy player or creative, like loser, you need someone next to him that's going to fucking get stuck in and, you know, kick lumps out of their midfielders. And, you know, it's easy to, to sort of... Um, What's the word I'm looking for? Com uh, compare when you when you've had someone like Etienne Capu. They called him the octopus because you know he'd intercept balls from all angles and it was great. He, he perhaps didn't have that dirty side to him where he'd get stuck in, but his intercepting was brilliant. But I think that Deli Bashiru, without being harsh, is is a bit bland. You need someone sort of to to complement loser style. He, he does okay, but. I think Kone is a much better option in that midfield. I think Kone's eye for a pass is brilliant as well. And uh, he keeps the ball so well as well. So if it's me going into Blackburn on Sunday, I would probably partner Kone with um, with Loser. Yeah, um, I think Kone probably offers a little bit more than Tom Delhi um, in that midfield. And um, Paul Whittenbury says, I think Kone has been great when he's uh, got on the pitch this season. He looks to be uh, battling really hard and his passing range has gone up a notch as well, um, similar to what Mike's just said. Um, so, yeah, I think I'll probably do a Kone for Tom Delhi as well. Like, same as you, I think he's a great person. He's been so unfortunate with his injuries, which has held him back a bit, hasn't it? Um, but he kind of got his career back on track at Reading on that loan spell and came back, picked up another terrible injury. Uh, it's good to see that he's picked up um, four starts in a row for Watford, which is good. Mm -hmm. That'll build up his confidence. But I just want to see a bit more from Tom Delhi, uh, and, and hopefully he can prove me wrong. Um, but yeah, it was um, not many chances in, in the second half for Watford. Mike, uh, 
Ken Semmer tried his luck from distance. It looked quite close on the TV cameras, but when they showed the the angle behind the goal, it was actually maybe about five yards wide of the post. And then obviously you've touched upon yesterday Spriers. What's flying over your head, Mike? Sorry, um, I live in Lincoln now and the red arrows have just flown past. So apologies if you can hear that. <laughs> Can't hear it. I just wondered what you were staring at. I thought your cat's got up on the wardrobe again. No, time. no, she's not in here, thank God. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, um, Yasir Spria, Mike, he, he should have done better with that chance, shouldn't he? He's um, brought it back onto his right foot and his effort was very lame. Yeah, I... I think sometimes we try and do too much, man. Like I, I always think of Arsene Wenger's Arsenal side that will try and pass the ball into the net, and nothing frustrates me more. If you got the players to do it, do it, and you, you've got you're in a position to do it, do it. But sometimes you just need to bloody hit it, man. You know, like Ken Semmer, I know that one went wide, and it looked closer on the first replay, and then the second replay, the one next to the post, it wasn't as close. Uh, Ryan Andrews, as I've already said, just needs to hit it. No need for that extra touch. Um, and yeah, uh, listen, Espria, um I can't even use the excuse of he's still sort of trying to adapt to the English game because he's been with us long enough now. Um, so yeah, he should have done a lot better. I think Chuck Vitadsky, uh was probably guilty of that as well. Um, I think it was actually John, uh, John Parslow, he's in here at the moment. And I think he replied, I'll put a video up of the penalty shot, which we'll talk about in a bit, I'm sure. But I can't remember. Oh, Somebody said that why is he trying to take it on his right foot? Like, just just hit it with your left. I know it's easy for me to sit here and say, you know, I was sat bloody over 100 miles away with a beer in my hands watching from the sofa. So, you know, it's, it's all well and good me critiquing them on how they need to shoot and that. But it does frustrate me sometimes. Sometimes you just need to, you know, old-fashioned, just put your foot through it. And right. if you hit the target... That's all, you know, all you can do is hit the target. Sometimes they go in, sometimes they don't. And sometimes we try and do too much and it frustrates me. Yeah, we'll talk about that penalty incident now because I've seen a mix of opinions on mm -hmm. um, Twitter um, when um, Georgie Chapovedesky tried to bring it back on his right foot. The same, same as you, if he took it with his left foot, I think he would have had a really good opportunity on going. Maybe would have beaten the keeper at his near post. Uh, for me, I thought it would have been... I would have loved the penalty, but I thought it would have been very harsh on Stoke. I didn't really think there was much in it. I thought Chapman Vadesky was looking for it a little bit. It kind of left his legs bare for Wilmot to um, take him out. Um, what You obviously thought it was a stonewall, didn't you? Yeah, I, I thought the, that there was enough of a trailing leg and enough contacts, you know. There were Stoke fans that replied to that tweet saying that they thought it was a penalty and they thought it was stonewall. Look, I, I know people will be like, oh, bloody hell, of course, here we go. But in the Prem, that gets given. If the referee gets a second look at that on VAR, they're telling him, right, mate, go over to the screen. You need to have a look at this. There is enough contact. He's, he's, it's very clever what he's done, actually. And that might be why he put it on his right, to initiate that contact. There's enough of a trailing leg that catches him. So for me, it needs to be a penalty. Uh, I didn't see the, um, the immediate aftermath of that. So uh, only people that were there will be able to comment on it. But I don't know if there was much of a hoo-ha from the players, sort of much of an appeal. Um, sometimes that it helps. look it from the TV, really, did it? No, well, that, that's what I thought. It, it certainly didn't look it. Um, 
but yeah, for me that that's a penalty. But look, sometimes you get them, sometimes you don't. And um, you know, Stoke was saying they'd got away with one. I think they said they got a couple of penalties. They got given a couple of penalties that probably weren't penalties in previous games. So this sort of weighs up for them um, that you know they they've got away with one, and it's sort of weighing it up a little bit. But listen, when the home fans or when the opposition are saying, the opposition fans are saying it should have been a penalty, then you bloody know well it should have been. But listen, I, I don't want to slag him off too much because I think he did all right. Uh, but that referee is very new to the select group two, which is the group of officials that uh, officiate in the championship. It's the select group two. Um, the referee yesterday, I think it was he was called James Bell, um, which is quite appropriate. Um, but he, um, he was... Um, officiating in the National League only four seasons ago. So whether he's been put on a fast track to, you know, get through the levels higher, uh, quicker, I don't know. But, you know, it seems like quite a big jump for me. But I thought on the whole, other than that pen, I thought he had an all right game. So It's interesting to get everyone's opinions on the penalty shout as well. Uh, Paul Whittenbury says, the Stoke fans sat around, just thought it was a definite pen. I wasn't so sure, to be fair. The players didn't massively appeal. Um, Alice Parso, a.k.a. John Parso, says (laughs) it was a penalty. Angle from behind shows that the defender took Chapladeski's out with a high trailing leg across the knee. And then uh, member of the voice of the Vic, Joe Thomas, hope you're well, mate. It was a stonewall pen. I've seen it from all angles shown and it's clear as day. The reason he didn't give it is because he threw his arms in the air going down. Yeah, that's it as well, Mike. I thought he was a bit phreatical. Is that right way to say it? Um, how, how he went down. He, he did kind of throw his arms up in the air like he was shot a little bit. Yeah, and listen, these players from from other leagues do, don't they? You know, you... I watched match of the day this morning and I don't know if anyone's seen it, but the Liverpool penalty yesterday, bloody hell, fire. Uh, I think they're still trying to look for the sniper in the stand at the moment. So, you know, they, they do go down theatrically. Whether they try and sell it a bit more, I don't know. But um, he, he felt enough contact. And like I say, I thought there was enough contact. And he's going to go down and try and make a meal of it to, to sort of sell it to the referee. Yeah, so it ended nil-nil, one-nil. Uh, uh, I wish it was nil-nil, <laughs> take a point yeah. away from Stoke. But it ended one-nil um, away at Stoke City. Um, your personal feelings, Mike, did you think we deserved to lose that game? Um, on one hand, yes, and another hand, no. Um, I, I think we deserve to because we don't have the right players in the system at the moment, or we're missing certain players, you know, if we had a, a competent number nine and someone that fit Ishmael's system um, and someone that could put the ball in the back of the net, would we have lost that 1-0? Probably not. Um, it's just that missing piece, like I say, that, that you know, we, on another day we take two of those chances and, and we come away with a 2-1 win. But the bottom line is we're coming away with a victory, a, a defeat, bloody hell, I'm like you now. Um, we're coming away with a defeat, but... If I'm we say it enough, it might have happened. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, we're coming away with a defeat, and I'm I'm taking positives from it. You know, whereas last season it was right defeat, TV off, fuck's sake, mood ruined for the rest of the week. They'll go and ruin my weekend again next week. Whereas I'm sort of looking to the Blackburn game now, and we're at home, and I'm thinking, you know, 
we're at home. Blackburn have had a bit of a, a shaky start. I think they've they've lost once and drawn twice. I, I I I really need to research these things before coming on air. I've probably got that horrendously wrong, but you know I'm going into that with some optimism. I'm I'm thinking, yeah, we can bounce back here, and you know suddenly then everyone's you know it's all rainbows and unicorns for everyone. So that's a, you know the, these things happen. It's a long old season in the championship and. You know, it's, it, it is the old cliche. It's a tough place to go, Stokies. And like I said earlier, for what it's worth, I think they'll be there, thereabouts, come the end of the season. Yeah, so it was a 1-0 defeat um, after at Stoke. After three games, Watford have won one, drawn one, lost one. Um, so on four points at the moment, sitting ninth in the Skybet Championship. Do you think the process is going in the right direction still, though, Mike? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. You know, we... Well, the, the bottom line is we've seen a team that looks coached. We haven't seen that for a long time. The, the last time I remember seeing a team that looked like they they knew what the 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 um, you know they had to do. Gianfranco Zola that first season, the football we played was phenomenal. It was brilliant to watch. Tippy-tappy stuff. One, two. You, you, you only have to look back to that Huddersfield game at home, that Batocchio goal. What was it? 18, 19 passes in the lead up to that? Some brilliant football on show. So, you know, it's been a long time since we've looked at a Watford side and thought, these boys are drilled. These boys know what the task is. They know what the manager wants from them. And ultimately, Ben, as we said earlier, that's what we want. We want a team to look like they're giving a shit, look like they're playing a certain way and don't look like they've just been told, this is a starting eleven. go out there and try and win a game of football. Um, a bit like we looked when Cisco Munoz took us to Leeds in the Premier League and lost 1-0. Um, I still have nightmares of that day. Um, but yeah, I'm positive, Ben. I, I'm Like I said, I, I'm looking forward to Sunday now um, at home to Blackburn. And I think the three points are there for the taking. And, um, yeah, I think we'll be good value for them if we get them. Yeah, we'll speak more in depth about the Blackburn game midweek because we got a um, preview lined up with a Blackburn Rovers fan. He was part of a podcast, but they've, they've stepped away from it for the time being. But we've had him on a few times. I think last time we spoke with him, Mike, he was doing the, the podcast in his car, wasn't he? Uh, he pulled yeah, over on the side of the road. Uh, so he's a top lad. Um, so looking forward to speaking to him in the week. Um, but a new little feature we want to bring to the voices of it. We're going to update you all on how the loan players have done on the weekend so when we're doing a, a review on a Sunday uh, me and Mike will have a look to see how the loan players have got on during their um, loan spell at the weekend and we'll let you know how we've gotten on um, so there was a few loanies um, playing at the weekend not they didn't really do much to be fair um, three of them played they was all on the bench um, Quadro Bar came on um, for Burton Albion in the 62nd minute and in a nil-nil draw with Wickham Wanderers. Um, Shaq Ford made his Leighton Orient debut in the 77th minute against Blackpool, which ended also nil-nil. And then Ashley Fletcher came on in the 77th minute as well as Sheffield Wednesday lost 1-0 to Preston North End. And also this evening, Jal Ferreira is on the bench for Indonesia. Um, they're currently playing um, 
Juventus and they're 2 0 down, and a certain <laughs> Christian Cabaselli is playing at centre back. Um, so that's um, interesting. That's going well, the then. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he's, he's, he's um, started his um, spell pretty solidly. Um, maybe as how he um, ended his Watford career, he's took it over to um, internet easy, but also um, Hassan Kamara is playing for him as well. But we don't care about him, he's um. Indonesia player now is well. I noticed yesterday as well that Mario Gaspar didn't even get on the pitch in the second tier of the Spanish league. Um, so yeah, things for uh, for our older players that we've departed in the, the the last few weeks, it's not quite gone to plan for them recently. No, and Cabaselli's been booked as well, by the way, Ben. What's that? Cabaselli's been booked as well. Oh, okay, interesting. Get his marching orders, won't he? Um, but yeah, just quickly as well, before we wrap it up, I want to talk to you, Mike, about Troy Deeney. Yes. Um, <laughs> he has accepted a role with Forest Green Rovers as a player coach. Um, interesting to say the least, Mike, because of how um, Dale Vince is and how Troy Deeney is. I can imagine they might clash heads a few times. Um, Deeney might, yeah, literally clash heads at <laughs> one point. Um, but yeah, what did you make of all of that? He, he's obviously dropped down to League Two. Um, maybe Troy might be disappointed that he hasn't got a move higher up in the football league, but maybe he was also looking for a role which would also include a, a coaching role. Yeah, look, I think, um, you know, yes, of course, he, he, he won't want to be playing in League Two. You know, you only have to listen to him in podcasts. He loves loves a story. And he was on the Simon Jordan podcast, which uh, if no one's listened to, I'm not just on about that episode. Go and listen to that, by the way. That is brilliant. Um, and he was on there and uh, they recorded it on the 30th of June because that was the day that free agents run out of contract. And they were saying, you're officially a free agent as of today. Uh, and he said that he's got some ho- uh, some offers at high clubs um, and teams in sort of higher divisions. And uh, I'm surprised, to be honest, that he's gone to League Two. Um, I'm surprised that, you know, maybe Warsaw weren't in for him. Going back to there would have been perfect for him. You know, he had a homecoming as such at Birmingham. You know, big Blues fan, so went there. Didn't quite work out for him. So, you know, whether Warsaw were in for him, managed by ex-Watford, Matt Sadler as well. So maybe the connection's there, I don't know. And I'm also surprised that Wrexham didn't go for him. You know, Wrexham, uh, I think Elliot Lee's scoring a lot of their goals at the moment. But, you know, with, with Paul Mullin out, I'm surprised they're not in the, the market for a striker. Um, but, yeah, I, I think it's obviously come down to the fact that they've been able to offer him a, a player coach role. You know, Troy's got his A licence. You know, he's he's able to manage in the championship if he wants. He's more qualified than Cisco Munoz is. Um, that's providing Cisco still at the same stage he was when he managed us. You know, that might be very ignorant of me. He might have gone and got his relevant qualifications. But, yeah, it's uh, it's interesting. Uh, it's obviously, you know, people wished him well and, and everything. And, you know, it's rough, ruffled a few feathers on, on Twitter. Uh, look, he said what he said on the podcast. I'm not overly pleased with it. But at the end of the day, the guy scored so many goals for us and did so much for us. So forgive me for, for you know, wishing him well in his future endeavours. Um, but that's not to say I'm not pissed off at how he was. For what it's worth as well, Ben, I think up until that Filthy Fellas podcast, 
I think Watford were probably in talks with him about offering him a role as a coach because there was an article that sort of said we're looking for an ex-player to join the coaching role. Um, and I think he didn't do himself any favours with that podcast. And I think that that was the sort of final nail in the coffin, the straw that broke the camel's back, so to speak. So, yeah, you know, disappointing for him. But listen, if he if he wants to keep playing uh, and he, he, he thinks he's as, as good as he talks about, then he should rip it up in League 2. So I know he say lost 3-0. And he come on in like the 69th minute. So, yeah, uh, best of luck to him. Yeah, I hope it does work out for him. And I, I do think he'll have a decent career in, in the football pyramid still as a, as a coach. And I'm looking forward to seeing what he does going forward. I, I definitely see him wanting to get his get into management, not mm-hmm. just being a coach. I think he wants to try and give it a go as a manager. Um I'm not too sure I'd want to be managed by Troy Deeney. Um, but... <laughs> Sonny, I did want to say is I could 100% see, I've already looked to see when Forrest Green are playing Wrexham because obviously Foster against Deeney. Uh, listen, Foster, how Foster's getting on at the moment, just go and check Wrexham Twitter. That's a story for another day. But <laughs> I said this to my boss in the van at work the other day. I can 100% see this happening. I don't know if Foster still does his GoPros in the goal, but if he does... He, if he comes up against a Troy Deeney penalty and Deeney scores, I can guarantee Foster will say, oh, I knew what he was going to do, but there's no way I'm getting in the way of that. And then the Wrexham fans will be like, that's your job, mate. But that's something that Foster would do, you know. Um, again, Foster done a lot for the club, but I think he's sold himself, really, um, a you little bit. You can see the five goals he conceded um, yesterday. They're, they're, they're awful, they're, 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 aren't they? You can't be doing that, then. You can't. He's conceded, I think I saw a stat, he's conceded 14 goals already at home. Is it at home? I think it's at home. And oh, I imagine he's on a hefty salary as well. Yeah. In the whole of last season, they only conceded 17. And they've already conceded 14. Mate, he's not up to scratch. End of. It's every time <laughs> he conceded yesterday, I don't know if you saw it, it was throwing his arms at the defenders, blaming them. It's like, every come on, mate. Kasper Schmeichel used to do that. He was brilliant at deflecting the fact that he just let goals in. Kasper Schmeichel's go-to signal is bollock the defenders, look at the linesman and the referee and put your hands up. He was pro at that. If you get a few minutes, go and watch goals that Leicester have conceded with Schmeichel in goal. And I bet you, you'll tick your bingo cards off like that. Well, there's our little Wrexham and um, Kasper Schmeichel um, <laughs> chat to end the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, thank you very much for everyone watching tonight. Um, we're going to wrap it up there. Mike, thank you for joining as always. It's a pleasure speaking to you, um, just like the old days. Um, got a lot, of, of, a lot off our chest tonight as well. Um, we've seen fans criticise the players, booing the players. We've obviously given our opinions and... Um, yeah, we don't think it's it's right. Just get behind the team, support them, be that 12th man, um, and I'm sure it will come good under Valerie Ishmael and we'll have a team that we're proud of. Um, so we will be back midweek for a preview for the Blackburn Rovers game, which is live on Sky on Sunday at Vicarage Road. Um, so we're looking forward um, to doing that. And then, yeah, stay safe, everyone, and come on, you warns. We'll be right back.
Podcast Network.